Uh, let me just sort of get started. I, I would like, sometimes I feel like I should give a disclaimer before, before I start to preach, but I, I'm going to resist that temptation. Today I want to speak on the kingdom of heaven. It's a, it's a new series that we're doing. Um, the reason I, I, I like doing series is that they connect everything. And you're not just preaching topically. You're, you're just giving people something that they can, uh, can uh, enjoy and grow from. And it may take them a little while uh, just to take your, your time and inculcate the truth of God into them. So that's what I really want to do. And I know we hear the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God a lot. And I want to just sort of uh, talk a bit about it that today. And uh, uh, I find that the kingdom of, of heaven and the kingdom of, of God are really basically the same thing. But the, the kingdom of heaven is, is giving us a graphic picture of the, rulers, the rule of God, the rule of heaven coming to us. Uh, sometimes, especially when you live in the Western world, you can get so um, used to good things happening that you, you basically feel like God is a God of good things and God of your comfort. And so, you know, life is supposed to be like this for you always, and it will never be different. And if it's different, it sure isn't God. You can, you can uh, fall into those kinds of things. But the reality is that uh, the kingdom of heaven brings to us all that God is. He brings it in, a, in an obedient people, a compliant people, uh, a people who... Uh, love God more than they love themselves. I mean, that, that's what that this is all about in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus brings these uh, divine secrets to a people, and he brings us uh, from all nations, all, all different groups, and he brings us together, and he makes us one people. I mean, I mean that, that's, that kind of stuff really moves me. And so I, I want you to be moved by, by, by these things as well. Uh, so we're gonna let, let's talk about it, the kingdom of heaven. And I had, I wanted to really running through this whole uh, teaching uh, is the wheat and the tares. So I I'm, I want you to know that before I jump into it, the wheat and the tares are informing me because uh, uh, we'll talk a little bit about it in a minute. But the wheat and the tares that means that among us in here. Uh, there are no doubt a few tares, weeds. Uh, and I, I hate to say that, but it's true. Sometimes we pastors and preachers and teachers, we want to be so polite that we are just, uh, uh, by our own uh, natural uh, inclinations, we have basically ruled out the Holy Spirit from telling us what we ought to know. And, and you, know, you know, there's no good parent who does not bring correction. If you, if you are, are a parent here today and you go, never spanked my child, never whipped my child, never corrected my child, didn't have to, you needed it. You, you know, because everybody needs that. I, I noticed, you know, I, I try to speak a little Spanish and, and God won't let me show off because I've got to show off spirit too. And, and I got that thing and I want to show off sometimes. And I wanted, and the moment I try to show off, I just mess it up. I, and I, I said, God, God, when I'm being effortless, it's good. But every time I want to show off, it, it mess, I mess up. And the moment I show off, 
invariably, I'm telling you, somebody corrects me. <laughs> they correct me before I can correct myself. And I feel just so bad, but I go away better. I go away better after every correction. I've noticed that after every correction, I go away better. So, okay, Th that little, little bit was not ominous. Don't think, oh, well, that's ominous. He's going to kill us. No, not today. So let me tell you a little story about, let's go to Daniel chapter 2. And I'm going to take up in verse 27, but it's all too long. It's, uh, in this story, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, who is king of Babylon, had been used of God to discipline Judah. Judah was the southern kingdom. Israel, after Solomon, was divided into two kingdoms. Um, and this is just a little bit, that doesn't have much to do with my message today. But Solomon's son, Rehoboam, uh, became king after Solomon's death. And uh, the ten tribes came to him and said, look, man, your daddy just worked us to death. He, he, he was just too hard on us. Uh, he had a great authority. He was taxing us just to, we just can't handle that. You need, would you lighten our, our, our taxes? Lighten our load. And so he said, I'll give you an answer in three days. You've got to be careful when you're young and, and, and God brings you into authority and power, you know, whether on the job out there. You just got to be careful. So he went back and asked other young folks. He rejected those who were wise enough to counsel the wisest man that, that, that history had ever recorded. Now, if you were wise enough to counsel the wisest person, you would think if I grew up in that atmosphere, I would go to that those counselors, but he rejected them because he was full of himself, obviously. And he, he asked the people his age who didn't know even what he knew. And so they told him uh, to, uh, to uh, 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 re reject Rehoboam, his offer, and to tell him, well, my little finger is going to be thicker than my daddy's waist. So he, he walked away. Uh, uh, from uh, uh, Jeroboam, walked away from Rehoboam, and uh, the, the kingdom was divided. And so uh, Judah, Rehoboam, is going to go out and fight Jeroboam and take it back and make it one kingdom. But the prophet said, you better not do that because this is from the Lord. You've just messed it up, so they had two kingdoms. And the, the northern kingdom, Israel, Jeroboam led them into idolatry, so they just went away. They, he led them in idolatry, so they were captured many years before by the Assyrians. But the southern kingdom still worshipped God, and a few people from the northern kingdom would come down and worship God in Jerusalem. But then Jerusalem saw the, God's punishment on the northern kingdom, but, but Jer Jerusalem or Judah. Uh, they saw it, but they, they got even worse than that. They were backslidden. So the kingdom of heaven, this series, is dealing with what's going on in the world today as we know it. I told you since 2008, I, even before that, but in 2008, I started to talk about the things that are happening in, the, in America and in the world are more about the church than they are about the world. You know, I've told you that. And so these aren't just words for you to hear and say, well, I just disagree. You should never do that stuff. You know, that's what uh, Rehoboam did and just messed up and, and, and lost the kingdom. 
so, so these things are very uh, are picturesque for us. They are pictures of what God is doing even in our time. Because those things that were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and admonition of the Scriptures, the admonition of the Scriptures, would have hope. We would say, wow, we can, we can chart our course because of what we see in the Scriptures. And so anyway, now that's a little bit more than I wanted to give you. But, but Nebuchadnezzar now is disciplining Judah by God. God raised him up to discipline Judah. Just because there's a, a, a leader raised up doesn't mean that, that they're all that. They may be raised up for a, a particular thing. And I believe that the leaders that we are having now are challenging the church. And they're, they're raised up to expose who we are and what we are not. And so I've been saying this for a long time, but I've been saying it generally in figurative language. But I've come to the point where God says, okay, no longer figurative language. And I think the figurative language is, is used so that God can kind of bring you along, you know, gently. You know, you learn a little bit, hear a little bit, there a little bit, you know, line upon line, precept upon precept. So he brings you gently. But when you don't do, uh, obey the, the gentle nudging, he just comes and deals with it. And so I think that this decade is, is for that. And this is giving you some understanding of the, of the message today. This decade is about that. This decade is very telling to, for all of us, all of us who have faith. And it's not what you think, it's what God thinks about it. Amen. So this is, brings you up to speed here now. Now you'll know where I am. Uh, the children of Israel, uh, uh, not of Israel, but of Judah, they're in Babylon uh, because of the sins of their fathers, their leaders uh, led them away from God. And so they are now captives. And Daniel, who is of the uh, noble birth, he's of a royal family, uh, he is in, in Babylon too. Did you get that? He, he hadn't done anything, but he's there too. And, and so this story it goes, uh, is an amazing story. So uh, Nebuchadnezzar had this dream, and uh, he's bothered about it. And he's asking his wise men, uh, the, the astrologers, the magicians, and all those people who do divination, whatever they do, uh, he had asked them to tell him the dream. Well, they said, no, tell us the dream, and then we'll tell you the interpretation. He said, uh-uh, no, you're going to say whatever you want to say, and, and I'm not going to really know that you know. You're just going to tell me something. Uh, you tell me the dream, and then I'll know that you know the interpretation. And so they couldn't do it, and, I, and he said, well, well basically, he, he was a monarch, an absolute monarch. He said, I'll kill all of you. It's kind of like that. I'll kill all of you. And so he was going to kill all of them, and Daniel, uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who, which, whose names are Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, uh, they were also a part of that group because they were very wise. And so, so da Daniel said to uh, the, the, the ch king's chamberlain, he said, don't, tell the king don't be too hasty. It, no, let me talk to God about it. Don't, you didn't have to do all that. And, and so this is where I'm going to take up the story. Okay? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, uh, in Daniel 2, verse 27, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. There's no way they can declare it. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Now, that's powerful. So in this book of Daniel, he is showing us what will happen in our day. 
So, so Daniel has a lot of clues, a lot of good information for us. He says here, your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. So Daniel is telling him what he dreamed. Only God can do that. And so God's desire also is to use us in that kind of way. You know, rather than us continuing to be in elementary school, we need to, we get, need to get promoted to junior high and go into high school and, and go to, to, to university, as it were, in God, and then, then postgraduate studies. You know, well, we ought to know something about God and be usable. And so in this story here, he's telling them what he dreamed. I think it's so powerful. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. So, so Nebuchadnezzar has conquered basically the known world there, uh, the civilized world. He's conquered it all. And uh, he's laying on his bed. The great conqueror has achieved much. And he's laying on his bed wondering, wonder what's going to happen. wonder what's going to happen. God, you know, uh, uh, Bishop Mark Kariuki wrote uh, called, uh, I'm sorry, preached a message called Everything Has Ears. Uh, it's, a, it's sort of comical, but it's so true. Uh, but I was thinking the other day, a few days ago, when I was just musing on my bed. And I was thinking, oh, I would really like to see uh, uh, Pastor Tim. I've not talked to him in weeks and weeks. I should talk to Pastor Tim. He's a member of the staff, you know. And so um, I was just musing. And then I thought, oh, I would like to talk to such and such person. Because I had talked to most uh, all of the staff here and there. But I, I had not talked to these two people. And, uh, and I came into the office for morning prayer, and there he was, sitting on my sofa in my office. And I said, God, this is amazing. You heard my musing. You know, I, I, and I, I spent some time. Then the other person that I was thinking about came in. Hello, Pastor. I said, wow, come on in. And I was thinking, God hears everything. You know, God hears everything. And so now knowing that we are his people, we are the sheep of his pasture, we are his Children, he hears, listens to everything we say. Yes. God has ears everywhere. The Bible says his eyes are going to and fro throughout the whole earth. But boy, his ears are everywhere too. And so now that should give us comfort. Now, now so we shared something. This man was having the same kind of experience that I had just a few days ago. And, and while he was thinking, God gave him a dream. And, and even though he was at this juncture very wicked, but he was still an instrument of God. You got to differentiate. He was wicked, but an instrument. So, you, so I, 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 I want to be very careful how I use those terms, all right? He was an instrument of God. Now notice here, God revealed these secrets. So Daniel said, um, he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. But for our sakes who make known the interpretation to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. So God gave me this because he wanted to preserve me. God is giving you this kind of information, this knowledge, this kind of teaching because he wants to preserve you. I mean, this is what God wants to do. He wants to use you. He wants to make you different than all the peoples. You are already different than the peoples of the earth. But he wants you to be that in experience. Yeah. To be totally different than the whole world. Thank you, Jesus. And so 
he says, he, he interprets the dream, by, and he says to him, you, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floor. The wind carried them away, listen, so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream. Now notice what he, what he shares with, with Nebuchadnezzar, this really wicked king. So it's not like the, Daniel and his friends are there trying to curry uh, favor. They're not there to curry favor. So what does it say to me? It says the church, whether you're in America or someplace in, in, in Asia, Africa, Europe, or South America, you are not called to the kingdom to curry favor with worldly rulers. You are there to speak truth. If you are there, you're there to speak the truth. And so Daniel is speaking truth. He is respectful, but speaking the truth. Amen. Sounds really different Amen. than where we are today in the world. Amen. The whole world. We travel a lot, as you well know, and we see things in the world that I think they are appalling. But the church out there seems to be getting our message. And I don't want them to get our message, and we fail at home. Notice what happened. He was watching, and a stone was cut out without hands. And this stone that was cut out without hands uh, became a strike force that struck the, the, the feet of the, of the worldly uh, kingdoms. He struck the feet and so that they could not continue to do what they were doing. That is, leading people into deception and decay. And so he struck them, and then... He, he so struck them that they were all, as it were, ground to powder, and then the wind of God blew them away so that no trace was ever found again. Why are we, as God's people, trading what God has given to us, the kingdom of heaven on earth, trading it for something temporal, something that's going to be totally crushed and destroyed so that there's no trace of it? You have to help me now, so I'm no longer talking figuratively. But you have to help me. I told you, remember I told you um, New Year's Eve, I was there, and I had prepared a little message. I didn't think that we should do much. We should have praise and worship and testimonies, and they were all so great. And, but I did stand up for a few minutes, and I was talking about this decade is, is uh, a decade that is, that is a telling decade. I don't remember the specific words I used, but that God is using this decade for us, the church. He is using it to uh, separate, to, to divide. That is the wheat and the tares there, because visibly we don't know who, who is who. Uh, but, but what God is doing is using this, and that this is going to be a strong decade. This is going to be a decade of, of great joy, but also great pain. Amen. And... Um, I was talking about that, and then lo and behold, I think it was uh, uh, 
on the 2nd of January, I think, uh, when, uh, when uh, the order was given to uh, kill or assassinate a leader in the Middle East, I thought, oh my, it's already happening. It's, the word that I gave on the 31st is already taking place. And so that the world is now like, like on a powder keg. But where are we? The people of God. Are we sitting there, you know, um, on both sides of this issue? Are we, are we trying to claim this side or that side? Or are we just the people of God? So my, I've always said to you, we've got to be the people of God. You can't hold on to both. Somebody asked, well, are you against this? No, I'm not against this. I'm not against that. I'm just for God. You remember my favorite story in, uh, in Joshua chapter 5, I think, verse 13. I think it's, I sometimes get it mixed up. When Joshua comes into the land, that's my, one of my favorite verses, you know. It, it makes me laugh every time. You know, it's, it's almost like I'm married to that scripture because I laugh at that joke every time. So it's sort of like a joke. Joshua goes and sees the captain of the Lord's host. He looks elegant. He walks over there. His sword is drawn. He says, who are you with? Joshua's a formidable warrior. He goes, who are you with? Are you, are you for our adversaries or for us? He said, no. I mean, what an answer, no. And that should be the, your answer. That's how you should approach the world and the world system. But are you for us or are you for them? Then no. That's what God wants from the church. But we said, no, I'm for this and I'm for that. And we're just a part of the mess, right? So we can't speak to the mess because we are a mess. But the kingdom of heaven hasn't come to take sides with kingdoms of the world. It's come to crush them all. That's what the kingdom of heaven is about. Because this stone that was cut out without hands is none other than Jesus Christ. Amen. So, so, so the Bible says that he struck them. Where was that? Where was that? Yeah, the stone, yeah, at verse 35, the stone uh, struck the, the image, and, became, and the, stone, the stone itself became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. I offer to you today that we are living very much on the precipice of seeing Jesus as not the stumbling stone, but the striking stone. Yeah. Right now, he's the stumbling stone because when we preach him, they stumble. They don't want him. I don't want him. I don't know. Oh, you, you Christians are the problem. You're, you're fundamentalists or whatever you are. But no, we're not the problem. Christ in us is the solution. But, amen. So soon the striking stone will come. And so that's, that's what we anticipate. That's why we go through all these things for Christ's sake because we know that the word of God says this is going to happen. Wow, somebody. Wow. So he, so, he, so he says to us, uh, we tell, now we tell the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are king of kings, for the Lord God of heaven, or for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the, peace, or the beast of the field and the birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another, and a, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over the earth, and the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. 
And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Verse 41. And, and that kingdom that, that will crush all others is wrong. Is wrong. Now the first kingdom is Babylon. The second kingdom is Medo-Persia. The third kingdom is Greece. The last one is Rome. Now notice, this will crush into pieces. You know, you know who we are? Really, we are an offshoot of Rome. Yeah, we really are because, because the, British, the British Isles, the British Empire, that's where we came from mostly, and uh, the, the, Germany and that area, but mostly the British so forth. But we, and we are Italian, British, you know, German, all of that. So we're really part of Rome. So it's going to be strong. And even though Rome itself is, is gone, the strength is still there. We're strong. Let me say this. Please don't take it as a good example. Just to use an, as an example, I heard the president say the other day, yesterday maybe, uh, after having ordered the killing of this man. I'm not getting into how good this man was, how bad this man was. I think they're all bad. That's me. I think they're all bad. I'm not trying to say I, I, can, I can make a decision. They're all bad because they're not in Christ. All bad. I, I, I know what it's like to, not to be in Christ. But he said, we, we have done this thing to prevent some things. Now, don't you do anything. Don't you do anything. Better not. Now, now, now what does that mean? That means I'm powerful. I'm reading it right here. I'm powerful. I'm powerful as I am. I'm able to crush. And that's true. That's true. I'm just saying to us that prophetically we're there. Don't get mad at me. We're just there prophetically. Because look here. These kingdoms that were there, they're now. What is Iraq? Babylon? What's Iran? Persia? Wow. We're there. What was, is. So that ought to make us sober. We're going to say, whoa. Because if I knew Jesus was going to come at 1230, I'm going to say, Father, if I've done anything wrong, please forgive me. <laughs> but no, I'm not going to mess around, man. So I'm saying for us, we've got to, we know the truth here. The truth is, is right before us. So the kingdom of heaven has come to us. You see, isn't it good? It's sobering, but it's good. Amen. So you, you've, got to be, you've got to be very careful in, in all manner of living. Don't be casual, as it were, happy-go-lucky, as the word goes. You know, oh, you're just so nonchalant. You're frolicking through the earth, and, and, and I, oh, man, everything is good. I've got a good 401K, got a good job, wife, wonderful children to obey. Wow, things are good. No. When we say peace and safety, then suddenly... Destruction comes. I'm just saying to us, we're living in that hour. And this, these 10 years, these 10 years, this first decade is, is going to be greatly telling for all of us. We are, yes, even being divided, we're going we're gonna to see division. We're going to see some believers going there and some going there. But we're just going to stay with Jesus. Amen. Watch. Amen. And so in verse 42, it tells us that the kingdom was partly strong and partly fragile. And that is us today. We are, we are strong, but fragile at the same time. You know, we, we can, 
vanquish any enemy outside, but we, could, we, can't, we don't know who the sails are inside. We don't know where the enemy is inside. Well, partly strong, you know, partly flat, fragile. And uh, Daniel said that, that uh, the, 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 the Roman kingdom uh, would not, uh, they would not adhere to one another. And so there was such a mixture of people uh, that uh, from all the peoples that they were not like one cohesive group. And that's, that's why nationalism is on the rise around the world, to try to become one and, and, and exclude all others. So hopefully we can have some safety if we all white. One purpose, but that's not the way it is because we're a part of that, that kingdom and naturally that was of iron and of clay. Listen to verse 44. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. Now he was speaking of Rome in its inception, that God's going to set up a kingdom which, will, which uh, shall never be destroyed. Is that right? Shall never be destroyed. Now, so you and I are a part of that which shall never be destroyed. So that should give me confidence. Don't opt for that which is going to be destroyed. We are part of the stone kingdom, as it were, that was cut out without hands, which means it was supernatural, which means that God did something. He didn't start it in the earth. He did something. It started in himself. And that's what Jesus is, the stone. And this kingdom shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. Now, remember Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom? It says, okay, from you, it's going to go to uh, Medo-Persia. It's going to then go from them to, to Greek, Greece. It's going to go from Greece to Rome. He said, but this kingdom, the one that you and I are part of, it will not be left to others. <laughs> wow. I mean, I'm just I'm amazed at Scripture. I'm amazed at Scripture. But it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. It shall stand forever. Verse uh, 40, uh, verse, uh, Daniel 4, 3 says, His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. So that means that our parents uh, were part of this kingdom. We're part of this kingdom. Our children are part of this kingdom. Our grandchildren are part of this kingdom. Our great-grandchildren are part of Wow! It shall not be left to others. Wow. So this is what we are experiencing. I want to say this because don't be dismayed when you see great and difficult things happening. And please, be careful how you fight these culture wars. Be careful. Stay away from them. Do what God has called you to do, and, and that's the best thing you can do. In verse 45 of chapter 2, uh, Daniel says, Inasmuch as you saw, he's speaking to Nebuchadnezzar, that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God has made known to the king what will come, come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. And what he was saying to Nebuchadnezzar is, this will happen without fail. This is a faithful saying, it's going to happen. And you and I are listening to this. We have to walk in this reality. We have to walk in this truth. It's going to happen without fail. We are living in it. We are seeing what the scriptures predicted thousands of years ago. We're looking at it, living it real time. This is amazing. You can't, you can't change it. Now, let me just say to you, um, I've never been the kind of person who thinks I know it all. Never have been that kind of a guy. 
Um, sometimes I feel like I'm unqualified to be a pastor because I'm not always cocksure. Uh, I'm sure about what I teach you, but I'm not so cocksure about what I read. I know that, and I don't care what they say. I do care what they say because I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> and so I, I will call up uh, somebody and say, um, I called up uh, Pastor Stan and, and another pastor. I said, look, this is what I'm thinking about the kingdom of heaven. What do you think? Oh, I think you're this. Oh, I'm good. I've been thinking that for a long time. I'll keep thinking that. So, so I'm saying to you that I don't just make this stuff up as I go. The scripture is showing us who we are. It's giving us time, it's giving us signs so we can, we can determine where we are on the, prophet, the prophetic scale. We can know where we are. We can know that Jesus is closer today than he's ever been to coming. We see these things happening all over the world. Signs in the heaven, signs on the earth. Yeah. Even the fire in Australia. It says twice the size of Massachusetts. I said, what? No, no, in the, in the, no, no, I know what the world's going to say. It's climate change, and some are going to say, it's not. Well, I don't know if it is or if it's not, but I know that's fire. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, we're not going to argue whether it's, but we know that the, the crazy things are going to happen on the earth because the Bible tells us. So I'm not going to argue you pro or con. I'm just saying it's happening like Jesus said it. I don't care if a Democrat said it. I don't care if a Republican said it. I don't care if an Independent said it. I know Jesus said it. That's all. That's all. It's Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus, and I want you to be a follower of Jesus. Are you still with me? Necesito cinco minutos más. Is okay? Solamente cinco? Okay. Five minutes. Five minutes. Okay. Now, let me just leave that. I'll come back to these things from time to time because I do believe, as I've said to you before, these times are more about us than about them. God is preparing his people. It's his people. He wants us all to be ready and right with him. Let me read from Matthew chapter 11, uh, verse 11. I'll start there. I'm going to read it in the New King James. It says, Assuredly, I say to you, are you there? Okay. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist. And so don't be against the Baptist, all right? <laughs> but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now, notice what he says. So what he's saying is John the Baptist came from the old economy, but you and I are now part of the spirit the spirit economy or the Holy Spirit economy or the spiritual economy. We're part of the spirit economy. And so that's a different economy. So he came from the, uh, the law and fleshly commandments and what to do or not to do. But we are uh, of a different sort. Now we are of the kingdom of heaven. And so he says, the, the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. And John says, nobody born of a woman has been greater than John. John did no miracles. But he says, he says Elijah, who did a lot of great miracles, not greater than John. Elisha, more, more miracles than Elijah, not greater than John. Isaiah prophesied like he had a front row seat to the future, not greater than John. This is big stuff. Moses delivering people out of, out of Egypt, you know, Egyptian bondage, not greater than John. And John did no miracles. That's about it. But he, she, the least in the kingdom. You say, well, nobody notices me. No, don't feel that way. Because even the least is greater 
than John. And John is, is, the, is the, the pinnacle of, of greatness and everybody, everybody in the kingdom then is great. And so he wants to show us who we are and what God has done and, and the power of the Christ in us. That's what he's trying to show us. Then he says something that, that has really stunned us for, for centuries, not maybe centuries, at least for decades. And verse 12, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And we have, we have mis, misconstrued that. For a long time, I felt like that. But then I have to check myself. And so finally, just through the Holy Spirit, I said, no, I'm going to break out. And if I'm wrong, I can get a whipping by the, by the Lord. He'll whip me. But I don't think this was wrong. You see, God never told us to be violent. Uh, some of our leaders have said, you got to be violent. you got to do... And then we were going, woo, woo, yeah. You know, we were... <laughs> you know? But, but it's not true. Because Jesus Christ, the, the Lamb of God, the Messiah, the, the Bible says, a bruised reed he will not break. Bruised reed. He's not rough. He doesn't run roughshod. He doesn't take it. Yeah, yeah, you got to take it. I've, I've been in some messages in uh, churches like that where they say that and everybody goes, woo! Yeah, and you go roaring like lions and stuff. That's not what he's saying. Smoking flax, he won't quench. So here you are. He's just timid. And he puts his arms around you. He said, baby, you're going to be all right. Blows on you. Just so that your, your flame goes. Have you ever seen an ember you blow on it? That thing starts to bright up. So we need people who will love each other. That's who Jesus is. Not, get yourself right. Uh, you know, uh, acting like a worm, and God's going, uh, the devil's going to go fishing with you. You know, come on. <laughs> Where did that stuff come from? Where did that stuff come from? That's not, that's not it. And he says, he says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violence taken by force. I believe this is what he's talking about. He's talking about people like Caiaphas and Annas, those strong men, leaders, uh, high priests, Leaders of the Sanhedrin, the, the ruling body of, of, of the elders of the Jews, they just took the kingdom. And Jesus told them, you took the kingdom. It, it was leased to you, but you took the kingdom, he told them. Yeah, that's what this is talking about, I believe. And, and, and listen, what happened? And, and so in, in this story, uh, uh, the, you have the Sanhedrin, uh, 70 people, 70 men uh, who were the ruling body. And when Jesus came, you only had two righteous out of 70, you had two that received Jesus. The Bible talks about, about Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, the two men who received Jesus. Come, come, can you see that? Have you seen? I'm almost done. Do you see our, our leaders now, our Christian leaders? They, you know, let me just say, man, there's some crazy stuff going on. I, you know, I, I've, I've been talking figuratively, but I'm not talking figuratively anymore because we're in the decade. Come on, man. Come on. God has given us an opportunity to get this thing right with figurative language. Now he's just starkly clear. This is nuts sometimes when we look at some of our Christian leaders. They're not leading us right. They're not leading us toward God. They're leading us toward more division. Truth doesn't take sides. The truth is the truth. And the signs have to come to you. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm almost, I'm almost, I'm, I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost, I'm almost. Let me read the NIV, Matthew 11, 11 and 12. 
NIV, I think, you know, I'm not an NIV person. You know, forgive me for that. But I am today. He says, truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now listen. From the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence. And violent people have been raiding it for their own good. Billionaire preachers. Apostles. Billionaire apostles. They got it, but you don't. Give me a thousand dollars and you'll be blessed. You tell them, I got a thousand dollars, therefore I am blessed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to get blessed, I am. So, so somebody has to say something, something, something for the Lord. And, and the International Standard Version uh, says, from the days of John the Baptist until the present, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people have been attacking it. I think that's the understanding. That's the understanding. Now, I'm going to end there today. I, I hate I'm going to end there today. But let me say to you, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people have been attacking it. There have been men who have been seizing it for what they could get, not for what they could give. You and I are living in a day where we're going to see God's hand move in a, in a way that will be frightening at times. It'll be sobering. It's going to keep us sober. But I would rather be in no other place. I've asked the Lord to let me live not because I'm afraid to die. I'm not at all afraid to die. For I know whom I believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep everything I've committed to him against that day. I'm not afraid to die. But I want to be here for those younger ones who might need some counsel here and there. And that's what I asked for. Because the days ahead are troubling. We're on a powder keg even now. I'm not speaking to what has happened. I'm not saying, okay, should have done it, should have done it. I'm just saying, it's done. And we're on a powder keg. We can't worship God in our churches without crazy things. People want to come in and destroy us. We can't worship. We can't go to the store to get a loaf of bread without there being danger. You know, a gunman just decides he wants to kill a bunch of people like sitting ducks and takes an automatic weapon and just starts mowing people down. If that doesn't get your attention, does it have to come to a theater near you? You know, you and I are watching this thing. God has given us at this fellowship, I know, a front row seat. So what are we going to do? I'm saying, let's be the people of God. Let's don't play around with this crazy stuff. I said, I said in the first service, but I was speaking of, of marriage and, and a little bit of humor, that I, I, when I instruct the, the, the husbands to love their wives, I instruct the wives to respect their husbands. 
I said, I deal with people on both sides of the aisle. I deal with them on both sides of the aisle. Husband uh, and wife relationship, politics on, on both sides of the aisle. You see, what we don't always know is that the people, the Christians on both sides of the aisle are being tested. They're being tested and they seem to be oblivious to it. But you and I have something really great from God. We have the Word of God. All right. All right. I, I want the, the elders to come and, and Pastor Ken's going to lead you. But as he's leading you, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want you to be too distracted with the communion. I took five more minutes or six more minutes than I asked you for. But I want to ask you while he, they are serving communion, if you are here today and you don't know Jesus, don't be con the worried about that. Just concentrate on the Lord. Only get your cup when it comes by you and, and hold it. But if you don't know the Lord today, I, I want to give you an opportunity to come to Jesus Christ. I want to give you an opportunity to come to Jesus Christ. If you don't know the Lord, don't be overly concerned about the passing of those elements. Don't be overly concerned. When it passes you, just forget it. If you'll raise your hand today and you say, Pastor, Pastor, I don't know the Lord, but I want to know Jesus. Is that you here, anybody? I want you to help me see. Raise your hand high so I might see it. Is there anybody here you don't know the Lord, but you want to give your heart to Jesus today? Now, don't think, uh, is he going to embarrass me? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to embarrass you, but raise your hand if that's you. You've come today, but you want to give your heart to Jesus. Raise your hand. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Is there somebody else? Is there somebody else? Where are you? I know there's somebody else. I know there's somebody else. Who, why are you reticent to raise your hand? We didn't ask you to run down to the front. We didn't ask you to do a somersault. Just raise your hand and give yourself to Jesus Christ. Is that you? Anybody? I don't see. Anybody there? May I pray with you? What's your name? Kara. Father, I thank you for Kara. I thank you that she was bold enough to raise her hand. My heart goes out to her, and I know the heart that I have going out to her is you. <laughs> it's you. I bless Kara. And on this day, January the 5th, 2020, you're giving her 2020 vision today. She can see clearer than she's ever seen in her life that she needs to see, just like the rest of us. I want to say, Kara, Kara, all of us in here were born in the sin. And there are people in this room who have done a lot of bad things. But God has forgiven us all. And the day he forgives you, precious. In the name of his son and for the, son, the sake of his son, he forgives you. I bless you in Jesus' name. And I just want you to just tell Jesus in your own words that you love him and that you receive him. Just tell him in your own words, yes. And just ask him to forgive you of every sin you've ever committed. 
And he, he will do that, and he has done that already right now. In his blood, the scripture says, will cleanse you, wash you. And that's what's happened. And there's nothing in earth or hell that can rescind that. We bless you, precious. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen, Carol.